Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Sample Hour. Today, I was joined by Curtis Brown of Food Ethos Farm. Curtis and I talk a lot about what he has gone through to get to where he is in farming and what his expectations are for the year and what he's learned over the years. So it's a good time. So you can check out Curtis's work at foodethosfarm.com. You can also follow him on Instagram and you can friend him on Facebook. So with that being said, let's get into the affiliates. So today's podcast is brought to you by Nature's Image Farm. If you go to Nature's Image Farm, uh, actually, Greg, just this weekend when we were building bee boxes, told me how to pronounce most of the stuff on his website. I still can't pronounce it, but I know he has a bunch of trees and he still has some comfrey. Um, so if you go to naturesimagefarm.com, you can check out some websites and it will be great for you. Um, check out some websites. I meant to say check out the store and you could check out some nursery stock. You save 10% and get free shipping with code word sample. Um, next, we have newfarmsupply.com. So Crane Schultz still has some stuff on there. Check it out. Use code word sample, save 20%, and get free shipping. Also, let's see. I don't even remember all my affiliates, guys. Oh, yeah. If you want to start a podcast, go to podcastblastoff.com. Actually, just click on the link in the show notes or on the website. I'm a big fan. If you want to start a podcast and you don't want to worry about building your own website and finding a place to host it and how to, how to post your episodes from your hosting site, it's a one-stop shop. I'm a big fan. You'll actually, you are actually about to see some changes going on with the sample hour because there's some, there's a new template coming out. So definitely check that out. If you want to lose weight, I'm a big fan of Kevin Geary's, uh, program. Kevin's a good friend of mine and it is called total body reboot. So if you click on the link in the show notes, you can go through it. It's great. It talks about, uh, different workout strategies, different nutritional strategies. Um, and it's all, all about weight loss. He has some other courses too, like decode your cravings. And, um, there's another one as well. Um, so I'm part of the total body reboot. Uh, me and Tom Dombres, after we had Kevin on, we decided to go ahead and sign up. Um, I'm a big fan, um, through just through reading that it's kind of like helped me get inspired and, um, I'm down 22, 23 pounds. I need to be down more, but I'm taking my time. I didn't, I didn't put on that weight overnight, so it's not going to come off overnight. And finally, last but not least, if you guys want to learn how to become profitable small scale farmers, I highly recommend Curtis Stone's course. Um, I can't think of a, a better how to. There's helmet cams, business strategy. Everything you need to know to be successful in small-scale farming, or everything that Curtis knows to be successful in small-scale farming. With that being said, guys, enjoy this episode, and I'll talk to you soon.
live from Food Ethos Farm. I have the privilege, after rescheduling 22 times with this guy, Mr. <laughs> Curtis Brown. Um, how you doing, bud? Good, good. It's uh, a nice wintry day up here in Manitoba, uh, Canada. But, um, yeah, still lots to plan for the farm and things for the season. So I guess it's a okay excuse to be inside and and working on the computer and such. Yeah. I think it's weird. Like, at first, I was, like, at the end of last season, I was just like, I don't even want to think about farming. Like, I don't even want to fuck with it. And now I'm like, I need to make some fucking money. Like, I need to get... Like, I I, I was so burned out of microgreens and everything else last year, and now I'm like, man, stop being a pussy. Let's get to work. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, I... Half the time, I wish it was, like, May 1st, whether it's, like, right now, I wish it was May 1st, and we were, like, into production, and then, like, June 15th, I'm like, oh, man, I wish it was May 1st again, because I've already made, you know, however many mistakes or whatever, then I'm just like, okay, I know this now, and I'd love to just, like, reset the season, go back to May 1st, and I'll just... I'll I'll tweak it this much and, and everything will be good. But as with, uh, you know, as farming goes, you got to pretty much wait till the next year to fix any, you know, to get a re a redo, uh, a makeover, um, a mulligan. Um, I think I've, I've heard, I don't know who I can reference this, but I mean, if you, if you farmed potatoes for, 20 years you've only ever farmed potatoes 20 times i think it's curtis yeah it's curtis Curtis stone Stone. yeah yeah um whereas with his with his lettuce system it's like well i can do you know five crops 10 crops whatever a lettuce in a year yeah i learned quickly um even with arugula and uh radishes when I, i had slugs eat my radishes i had the worst flea beetles um, with my arugula and yeah. I just learned real quick like even with weed pressure like okay I just need to I need to rotate with the fat I can't direct seed a bed twice because of my weed pressure so I have to have yeah. the landscape fabric down and then as soon as I as soon as I pull up and harvest that lettuce for the last time I need to get direct seeded stuff or I need to have lettuce ready to go in the bed in case uh, you know something happens with the direct seating, or I get yeah. something that goes bad, so I can put something there right away. I I could learn that in one season versus if that was only one crop, then I'd be like, oh, what the fuck happened? Well, hopefully this year I'm not fucked. Yeah, and that yeah, that's the thing. You're always just, uh, I mean, as much as you can watch on YouTube and learn in a course, you're like, okay, well, this is my this is my plan for you know. Let's say potatoes. This is my plan for potatoes this year, and you're just like, hopefully this is this is you know this is going to work out. Um, and uh, you know if you're you know you're you're doing it for the first time or you know even the first three times or four times, you're just you're trying something new every year. You're just like, hopefully this works out, and then I mean, and then eventually. It does, but uh, maybe if, or you just go yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right. Um, 
it's it's this is uh this whole new kind of regenerative egg is i mean there's some things you know like curtis seems like he's got a pretty uh you know, and JM and, and, and some of these guys have pretty tried and tested systems. But that's, I mean, that gets lettuce grown. That gets lettuce, uh, you know, uh, to c- customers. But, I mean, we still need to figure out how to do potatoes. We still need to figure out how to do corn. Um, and I'm at a scale... I mean, our farm's 800 acres, and I'm by no means going to try and do that all on vegetables or anything, but I'm at a scale where we can do some of those uh, um, less profitable uh, crops because we have the space to do them, but it's hard to find real good examples of people doing those regeneratively. So um, with, with... I mean, a lot of regenerative egg, it's, it's, you're almost back to pioneering days and you're trying to make a go of it and you're hoping what you do works out or else, you know, a crop failure happens and you're living in a sod house and back to the, back to the city and back to the factories you go. Um, now it's, uh, I don't know that there's, I mean, there's obviously jobs you can go back to, but uh, it just seems it's like we're kind of pioneering. Yeah. yeah. Oh, not at all. It just seems like we're kind of pioneering. Um, like in Manitoba, we're um, it's still a lot of the you know the regenerative egg food system is still really mom and pop. So you know you're growing it, you're marketing, doing the customer relations and all that stuff because there's I mean. There's just not a lot of other people in it, and the people that are in it want to be farmers, right? Yeah. Nobody wants to be the nobody wants to be the middleman, the 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 truck driver, or the you know um, you know the, the a good butcher or anything like that. Um, it's starting to pop up. We're starting to see some some butcher, uh, you know, artisanal butchers and stuff like that, and a few aggregators and things like that. But, uh, I mean, even this is year six for us and, and by no means did we, were we completely in the know six years ago, we were, we were pretty green, but, uh, I can, I can see in the last six years how many restaurants and, and, and things have popped up where it's at least made it easier to, to find, um, you know, other people involved in this, but, to find somebody that sells, say, organic grain or, or organic feed or whatever, not that we wholly subscribe to uh, organic, but just to find find the resources that we need in this, you know, reach in um, system. Most, I think most people just go for GMO free, right? Yeah, yeah, and that, that's where we're at right now. I mean, we have lots of lots of local grain growers and I just try to find the best, the best that I can. And this year we're actually putting in, um, about a hundred acres, 120 acres of, of polyculture, um, grain for our own feed purposes, which will be a whole nother kind of project to work on. But, um, luckily we've got neighbors that all have the equipment and everything like that. So we can just get it to, get them to custom do it for us but 
I still need to be kind of managing the project. So, so, so yeah, man. So let's, let's go back. So you started six years ago. You have, yep. you have 800 acres. So now was your family traditional farmers? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, six years ago, um, we were lit. Well, six and a half or seven years ago, we were living in the city. We, I just finished university. Um, actually my fiance, uh, had a degree in, uh, community development and, uh, recreation and community development. So she was working on like after school programs and inner city stuff. Um, and then her kind of contracts didn't really pan out the way we wanted to. So then we, um, she took an internship and then we rented some land right outside the city and started a small market garden, uh, did that for two years outside the city. And then we moved back to my family farm, uh, which was much further away from the city. And, uh, yeah, traditionally this is, um, we're fourth generation farmers on this, this land. I mean, as far as I know, uh, my ancestors, my ancestral, you know, history is, is farming. I know that at least six to seven generations back, we were farmers. Um, and I would assume if you go that, you know, back that far and you were farmers, I would assume probably we, we have almost forever been farmers or at least somebody has been in my, my ancestry. But, um, uh, my, the farm we're on right now is pioneered in 1901 by my great, my great grandfather. Um, and we have kind of, uh, um, mixed farming is kind of what we called it, what m- most people would call it, uh, ever since. Um, there was a bit of a hiatus in the, mid nineties until I moved home where my parents rented the land out. They kind of retired out of farming and owned an accounting business. Um, and rented out most of the grain land, kept a few cows just for kind of, um, I don't know, hobby sake and a little bit of, uh, for their own food. uh, Yeah. Um, and I mean, uh, it was, you know, the calf, the calf, uh, sales would, would go towards, um, university, you know, university fund for us kids, but, um, more or less not a whole lot of farming going on for say 15 years before, uh, I moved home, Ashley and I moved home three, three years ago. This will be our fourth season on farm, um, and that was when, <laughs> that was kind of when the craziness began. Uh, we were, you know, when we were just renting land and things like that for the first couple of years, we were able to kind of keep things under wraps. We did a little bit of chicken, poultry, and, and market gardening for the most part. And then we came home and we're like, oh man, look at all this land. Let's do more market gardening. And that's when it kind of all blew up in our face. <laughs> essentially. So, so okay, so you uh, started. You would you'd already kind of started market gardening in the city. Well, just outside the city, we were like uh, 
45 minutes outside of Winnipeg, which is the, the capital of Manitoba and is, I don't know, what's the, it's probably about 800 or 900,000 people. Okay. Yeah. And so that's kind of, we, we, we did the, the, you know, we were on a quarter, quarter acre there with, with access to more land around the entire farm that we were on was, was larger, but we were only growing on about a quarter, a quarter acre there. Um, and, guys, uh, was that just property you guys were renting? Yeah, it was, um, some, uh, it was actually the same farm that Ashley interned on the, the year before, um, the owners of the farm, um, it's a little bit complicated. So they were renting out land, uh, field space to another farmer who was doing market gardening and that's who Ashley interned with. But then the owners of the actual farm who were pretty, I don't know, probably in their seventies had kind of, um, more or less most of their farming operation was just not, you know, they weren't really doing it and they just asked us to farm sit and take care of the farm. And if we wanted to produce, we were more than, uh, we were, uh, more than, welcome to. more than welcome to do it. So that's when we decided to start up, a, a CSA and, um, go to the farmer's market and um, kind of jumped in. What, what year was this? Farming thing. That was 2012. 2012, yeah, that was our first summer. Yeah. And it was, um, yeah, like the, the, the farm we that we farm sat for was uh, more or less, uh, they weren't certified organic, but they were... Um, they, you know, adhered to organic practices and, uh, they had fruit, a fruit orchard and hayland and, uh, garden space. And yeah, it was a pretty beautiful place for sure. But, and then, yeah. And then we kind of, and then we came, then we came home from that. And, and then that's when the trouble began. That's when, that's when, the, that's yeah i mean we just we got super excited about being able to well because with my my farm experience in history was more with animals was with cows was with larger flocks of chicken broilers um not like as your, a kid, your family always kind of do free range animal raising um yeah, like, so, I mean, our cows, we always did, like, a cow-calf operation. So, that's, I mean, they didn't do, my, my, my parents and, and prior to that were conventional farmers. I mean, when they grew grain, it was with whatever fertilizer, whatever chemical needed to be put on, um, uh, cow calf operations are fairly you know the you know we use um we would have used you know antibiotics and 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 things like that when necessary but cow calf operations are fairly I, I don't know how what to you know they're not organic or anything but they're fairly clean yeah. um you know the 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 animals have a a fairly healthy you know, unstressful life. But 
you know, we, we continuously grazed. We didn't, rot- you know, plan rotational grazing or use holistic management or anything like that. So yeah. by no means were we building soil or anything like that. We were, How dare we were, you? yeah, I know we were, ex- we were extractive for sure. Um, and, uh, uh, I mean, I would say my, you know, my grandpa instead, you know, would have been in that same situation that say Joel Salatin's family kind of found themselves in where it was, do we follow, um, what the agronomists are saying and use this fertilizer, these chemicals, and, you know, do we buy a sprayer and, and do all this, or do we keep trying to diversify all these small, diverse, you know, operations, uh, diversified operations, and and like the majority of people did, they went the way of, um, you know, increased inputs, more or less. So we're, and, and still yet, I mean, I I remember growing up, we had. We did, you know, butcher hogs for uh, a couple of years, and we always had a flock of chickens, uh, you know, three to five hundred, and did cows, and we did grain, and so we still stayed diversified, but it was kind of cows and the grain were the main, you know, that was what paid the bills, and that's what got focused on, and it was, you know, how do you maximize and and you know instead of optimizing um and so it became an you know a fairly extractive operation and then even more so when they retired and pretty much all the land was in grain operation um and by no fault of 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 you know the farmers it's just uh, it's the system they find themselves in and and um and there is some, I, I was just uh, talking to a friend who was, who's fairly staunchly in the, 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 the conventional farm system. I've been on him for the last, I don't know, say three or four years about cover crops. And I was just talking to him on the weekend and he just start started to come around that he was starting to hear good things about cover crops. So, um, there is some 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 good trends happening, which is nice. But um, but uh, yeah, so we we got really excited about you know large scale animal operations and things like that. But uh, um, and we knew about permaculture and we knew about holistic management and thought we had all the you know all the right ideas. And um, I don't know. I, I feel like just listening to you and Scott talk. I mean, do you find you're in the same situation where you feel like, you know, you know, the things you, you think you need to know and you're just like, okay, I know it. So then I can go do it. But you haven't really put in place like an action plan or a system of, you know, of, of actually making it happen. Do I feel like that as of right now? Yeah. Um, no, not not so much now. Last year for sure. Like last yeah. year, I definitely yeah. did because I was just like, "Well, fuck it, I'm just gonna do this." And I wanted, I wanted so bad for it to succeed so I could quit my job. 
But it was hard, right. man, because I was working. Uh, I mean, I was, I mean, I was away from home, you know, probably fifty-five hours a week uh, yeah. with commute time and uh, lunch, and because like I'd be, you know, it's it's really nine hours because you get an hour lunch break. And yeah, man, it was, it was super annoying. So it, it was just like, I just, it was one thing and I was like, oh, I should have done that better. And then like everything just kept building to where the point where I just felt incredibly overwhelmed. Um, and yep. then, and then, and that was kind of my biggest thing last year, but this year, not so much like this year. Yep. I'm actually, I'm actually pretty, I'm, I'm planning things out pretty well. Um, I mean, like I already have, I already have it. Like I only have three beds now, so I redid everything. So three sixty-five foot beds, um, yeah. And like Joel's, we got Joel's place together, and then uh, I, I don't know. Like everything's actually really fallen into place this year. So last year was really bad, but it was a really good learning curve for me. So yeah, it so it, it wasn't. Um, yeah, I I feel pretty good. Like I feel like I'm ready to execute. Like I, I don't feel. Yeah. I think when I versus when I first started, I was definitely like, "Well, let's try to be permaculture. Let's do this." I <laughs> yeah, I don't give yeah. a shit about that anymore. Like, I really don't. Like, I know, you know, if you want to see what what my land that I'm on now looked like before I started farming, I mean, it it had a bunch of trees. The soil was pretty good because they'd use it as a garden. But I mean, after you know, truckloads of horse manure. Um, a bunch of a bunch of mushroom compost, uh, leftover bags of of soil that my friend was going to throw out, but I just said no. I'll just put in my, I'll just amend it to mine. Um, you know, just laying tons and tons of compost. Like it's it's it looks really good, and lots of wood chips too. I mean, I had so many wood chips and. I need to get wood chips again so I can put them in my rows and do the perma beds. Like I'd like to, because right. I have raised soil beds, but I would like to yep. have the, just put enough wood chips so they're not even raised. Um, that would be yeah. ideal, but I'm going to have to, that's going to be a lot of work, but I think it's worth it. So yeah, I mean, I feel, I feel a lot better. Like I think, um, you know, last year it was like, oh, I need this. So I, I was so I was so overwhelmed because I didn't have all my infrastructure in place that I needed. And then it got to a point to where I was just spending money on shit that I didn't need to spend money on. But this year it's different. Like now that, you know, this is going to be something that it's like, okay, I need to make money with this now. Like I'm in a totally different situation. It's, it's easier to actually stop and think about it. Cause I'm not, yeah. I'm actually less desperate now that I'm not working a job, even though like I made more money and everything, but now it's like I have more skin in the game. So yep, I'm less definitely. desperate, but I have more skin in the game. So I feel a lot more confident going in. Um, yeah. I don't. So it, it's a lot different, man. But, um, you know, so for for you guys, like when you when you first started, like, and you got on your property, how, you know, how, how you said everything kind of uh, blew up in your face. Like was it because you were trying to do too much at once, or what? what Definitely, that's that's been the story over the last couple of years. Is just we, I mean, and it, yeah, uh, we we started thinking by you know we wanted to produce a whole kind of pantry full of food for people. You know, we wanted to produce, you know, 
80 or 75% of our customers' food. And we thought, well, I mean, we've got the land to do it. It's, um, this, there, uh, we can have a huge market garden. There's still lots of room for pigs and there's lots of room for chickens and cows. And, and you look at, I mean, you look at permaculture and you look at Joel Salatin and all these, you know, shining examples of diversified farms that have the whole system in place, right? And you're, you're just thinking all these things need to be in the system for it to be a, you know, a fully functioning, you know, system for farm, you know, food production. So it's like um, you, you think you need to go and before you get started, you have to have Curtis's pass a solar greenhouse, mm-hmm. all of his hoop houses and everything that he already has. I can't really get started until I have all that. And, yeah. And then, yeah, you, kind of, and then you try to do it all and then it just is like, what the fuck? Yeah. And then you're, then it's, uh, then it's chaos. It's putting out fires all the time. All the time. You don't get to, uh, you don't get to focus on, um, you know, say just one enterprise and, 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 and really, you know, crushing that one enterprise or, um, you know, making sure your customers are, you know, as happy as they can be because you're trying to focus on why the pigs are out every couple of days or whatever, right? Um, so it's just more yeah, or less so, so chaos. When you, so when you got started, because that's interesting too, because you're doing livestock and, um, and produce. Yeah. And that, I mean, I feel like it's, it's tricky when you try to mix both. And I know uh, my buddies at Black Fork Farm do the same, uh, John. Um, I don't think, but I think John really, I think they, they mainly use their chickens for homesteading and yeah. their birds for homesteading, but their pigs that, you know, they do, you know, John's going to, he's taking, um, he's taking a few of those bacon machines into the uh, butcher to sell cuts at the farmer's market, but then he wants to do, you know, market gardening too. So how, how many pigs were you guys trying to run that first year? Uh, we got, uh, we had two bread sows. Um, and from them, they both produced like 12 or 12 and 14, uh, piglets. So they had pretty big litters. And did you, Um, did you lose any? Uh, we lost, we lost two. Um, the one that had 14, we lost two. So we ended up having like 23 or 24, um, weanlings, feeders out, or feeder, feeder pigs out of that batch. Um, pigs. Yeah. Well, and then pigs, um, they, they procreate, uh, quite quickly as well. Yeah. Uh, as as most farmers will know. Um and we're I think last year was probably our biggest year of pigs and we had probably like all together like seventy five at the most at one point before we kind of sold off quite a few weanlings. Um so yeah, from two bread sows and we bought we bought a boar 
Um, three three pigs brought onto the farm turned into like seventy five real quick. Um, so that yeah, that got pretty crazy. Um, but um, I mean, and and it just seemed like and and maybe it was there. Maybe we weren't just cued into it as much. Um, but the the vast amount of content on the internet and YouTube and whatnot about you know starting farms and and um, you know starting out small or starting out you know um, not diversified and then diversifying from that two two and a half years okay like yeah, to the point where it's like now there. you feel stupid almost oh you got me yeah you were saying there's not a lot of information about starting out and then it kind of yeah okay um so when we were you know when we were starting even even like three or four years ago there wasn't you know and maybe there was but we just weren't cued into it yet a whole lot of information on you know starting small or starting fairly narrow-minded and then diversifying out from there. Um, you know, there was Joel Salatin books showing all the, you know, and if you had his multiple books and you saw what he did on his farm, you're like, okay, well, he has all these enterprises. How do I do all these enterprises? Yeah. Um, but then, you know. Um, and you probably realize, okay, this is something you have to build to. Yeah, no. exactly. And I mean, in, and now you look at, uh, you know, Curtis's, uh, content and course and uh richard perkins and um you know a lot of these guys that are you know really making it work and they started off you know or or well and i mean i guess curtis's um curtis's kind of story is somewhat similar to ours where he kind of got way bigger than he liked and 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 figured out that he had to come back down a notch to, to smaller, more, um, you know, narrow, narrow of a, you know, of a product, uh, offering. And yeah, and now he's, he's still cutting back crops. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that was something that I think I came in at the right time. I mean, it was something I noticed too. Like, I think it's still something that, um, I think, uh, like Joel, Joel's growing a more variety because he has more land, but I'm I'm always like I think we should grow less variety, and it's like the the yin and the yang. So yeah. I'm yeah. only gonna grow like we both agree. My but I I have three beds, so I'm just gonna rotate you know arugula, spinach, and mustard in one bed, and maybe some uh, bok choy, and then have salanova in the other two beds. And it's, yep. and that's it. And then I'll have microgreens as well. Um, and then hopefully I can make some money from that. Like hopefully I can get this system down. So I'm really executing it and then hopefully I can make enough money selling other people's stuff. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of hopefully's there, but you know, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. just got to execute. But you know, like running, I can't imagine. Even now, like full time, like I can't imagine. Like, I mean, is is because I think the biggest thing is is when you when you get into this space, you want to do everything, 
Yeah. And, you know, Greg Burns and I talk a lot about that. Like, Greg was trying to scale up quickly. I mean, like, he put an infrastructure and he went from raising, you know, six pigs to 17 pigs and now he's scaled back down. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, it's, you know, you, you got to make sure that it's still fun. Like, you can't. Yeah. And I, and I think what happens is you just get overwhelmed and you're like, oh, this, this isn't fun. Uh, yeah. What, uh, what breed or what, what breed of pigs do you guys have? Uh, so we started off with Berkshire, uh, bred Berkshire sows, uh, and they were bred to, uh, a Hereford, a Hereford, uh, boar. So we still have, uh, and then we bought in, um, um, we bought in, uh, a Berkshire boar. So we have a few, um, some of our breeding, uh, stock, uh, breeding herd is purebred Burke. And then we have, um, Hereford cross Berkshires. Um, so they, um, they grow like gangbusters, um, and put on a pretty big frame. The Herefords a pretty big, muscly, um, pig. Um, but they're, they're, they're robust for sure. They, um, we don't really do a whole lot of, they have access to, um, a cattle shed. It's like just three sided, but they more or less, we put straw out for them in the winter and that's, they're pretty happy with that. So they're pretty robust outdoor pigs. Um, now do you have woods or are you, are you just putting on pasture and they're just, um, up or we have, um, so our biome is a uh, parkland aspen. So it's kind of, um, we have a lot of poplar trees, poplar bluffs, um, which kind of due to conventional agriculture, a lot of them have been cleared out. So at some points you can see to the horizon with unimpeded view. Um, so, <laughs> Uh, I think that's why our farms are so big because you could probably drive the tractor to the horizon and then just drive home (laughs) when the sun went down. Uh, And that's why we have thousands and thousands of acre farms here, I think, because it was pretty easy to just clear the land. Um, But we have a bit of bush and we're working on, um, we're working on increasing that. I'm, I'm of the thought of, you know, um, uh, oak savanna, um, silvopasture, and, uh, I'm hoping to, I'm, I've started, I've started works on a bit of a nursery on farm, um, to be able to provide enough trees for that. And then we have some local conservation programs where you can get trees for, and, and not terribly productive trees, but, um, uh, trees nonetheless for like a buck or a buck 50, uh, uh, you know, a sapling or a seedling, you know, that a, fo- a, a foot high seedling. So we're going to be getting quite a few of those for at least shelter belts to cut down on the wind and stuff like that. And then, uh, try and put in more, um, productive trees to increase that, that savanna style. But, um, 
they have a the pigs have a bit of bush, a bit of pasture, and we try to just um, we we try and rotate them. Where I just discovered this winter, Joel Salton's like pig pig production system of the pigerator. Uh, no. Well, I don't know. Um, the what was his measurement of of like I think is it a ton of feed per half acre or something like that, and when the ton of, or two tons of feed per half acre. Um, and when that two tons of feed is up, you move the pigs to the next half, next half acre, um, paddock. And that's what we're, we're putting in place this year. And before it was just like, well, they've, you know, this is looking like they're going to root up too much and we better move them. Right. There was no real system in place and it kind of, I don't know. It didn't really seem like a lot of examples out there of of proper rotational grazing of pigs. Um, yeah. You know, there's a lot of holistic management mostly focus on, focuses on you know cows and how to determine when to move cows and and whatever. Um, but then we found, uh, I think it was um, one of Verge Permaculture's videos of the like the Salatin semester or something of, of Joel presenting on that uh, on YouTube that I found it and it, it went over his rotational grazing system, which um, which is what we're you know when you that's what we're looking for. It's like okay, well, how do we systematize all these things rather than just you know oh well Permaculture says to you know, have all these things and this is what it looks like on paper and everything's going to work out beautifully. But when you don't really actually have any plan in place, it's, it just, like I said, turns into chaos and putting out fires. So, um, so last year's when, like, I mean, last year's when we started to scale down some things, especially in the garden. Um, and this winter, we started really putting in place. Um, we went over uh, like our holistic context and, you know, started doing what most of these gurus say to kind of do. Um, so we're starting to scale down a whole bunch of stuff. The garden in particular, because we're so far away from our market, it was kind of like, well, why are we going into the city with, you know, a trailer load of uh, veggies when we could be going in with a trailer load of meat that is much higher value. Um, and especially cutting out those lower valued crops that we can't sell anyways. But um, So now, yeah. so, so you, you kind of realize the majority of your income was coming from your pigs? Um... Chickens is probably where the majority comes from. So we're scaling up our broiler operation. And are you mainly, uh, are you running heritage breed chickens for the broilers? Or are you doing traditional Cornish cross? No. Yeah, we're doing, we're doing Cornish cross right now. We tried in the past doing like, um, and they weren't exactly the same variety, but more or less the freedom ranger 
And it just, I don't know, our, our, our customer base or our market is still kind of used to that, you know, juicy, plump, double-breasted, white meat, you know, chicken, right? Yeah. So uh, we're not, we realized at least then pretty quickly that we weren't going to try and, you know, offer the permaculture chicken and here, here market, get used to this completely new bird that nobody knows what it is and nobody knows how to cook. And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, some of our customers did like it, but it was kind of like, uh, you know, let's not force a, a square peg in a round hole and just focus on doing broilers really well. And having that, I mean, uh, a, a, a broiler chicken from pastured system is still 10 times better flavor and, and, um, you know, more regenerative than a barn bird. Um, you know, I haven't bought a, a chicken from the store in I don't know how long, but the last time I did, I remember thinking, why do people like eating rubber? This kind of tastes like nothing. And it tastes like shit. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so we do, we're scaling broilers up. We're scaling the garden down. We're what, actually, what was the market garden at? Like how much were you growing on? How much land? Max was, I think we had like six acres. Holy cow. That's, a, that's yeah. a ton, man. Yeah. Yeah. And, and really to be honest, um, it's been Ashley and I, uh, pretty much this entire six years, we've had people come and go and interns and things like that. But I would say over six years, it's been 90 to 95% just the two of us. Yeah, that's a lot of work, man. I mean, so I'm guessing you're just going to scale down to an acre with the market garden. Yeah, the, the right now, what is on my computer screen is an acre of of garden um uh with uh raised beds and zone more or less kind of um at a uh, more or less jm forte kind of style um a hundred a hundred uh foot length beds with i think we're i think we've got 12 zones in it um and uh yeah looking to we we we've like reshaped the beds every year but i'd really like to uh put them down as as per- permanent beds um trying to find a good source of wood chips being that we don't have a lot of a lot of trees around here wood chips aren't exactly the easiest to come by um our electrical company used to deliver them, but now they just, uh, when they are getting rid of trees in the in the in the power lines, they just chop them, like they just shred them in place and just leave them in the ditch for the most part. So we have to find like a tree service that hauls their tree and their wood chips away or whatever. So we're looking for that so we can kind of have this garden permanently bedded. But um, uh, an acre market garden, um, we have we have supply management here, so we can legally do nine hundred and ninety nine um, broiler chickens. 
And then we've got, um, right now we have about 30 pigs. And we have a cow-calf, uh, cow-calf operation of about 35. And then we finish about five, five grass-fed beef from that. So that's more or less our system in a nutshell. That's great. So how many, how many, so, is, so you've, so you've done, you've mainly been doing market. So you've been really trying to do everything. 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 Uh, I feel like that's a great <laughs> way to burn out quick. It is. And we've, 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 um, we, uh, we've given ourselves kind of an ultimatum this winter of, you know, this, this is what we need it to, this is what needs to happen this year or else it's, um, or else it's major changes. Um, whether that's scaling down to the point where it's part time and we have off farm jobs and we, you know, scale it down to just pigs or just chickens or whatever. But, um, that's that's where we're at right now but um yeah it's 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 it was pretty disheartening coming kind of coming out of last season and still seeing you know and and last season we thought we had what we needed to put in place um for it to have you know successful year and and by no means was it like a you know a complete disaster of a year or anything but it still was just i mean it's just bur- so much work man yeah it was it, it was burning i can't imagine doing six acres of market yeah. gardening and last year we last year we that was like three years ago that we did the six acres last year i think we'd scaled it down to like three acres maybe um but the pigs were the the pig herd was even bigger last year. So, um, we yeah, scaling down the market garden, scaling down the pig to you cut out uh, after you said scaling yeah, down we're all the pig. Place here. Oh, um, and we're we're changing we're changing our marketing uh, around uh, a bit to focus on less farmers market stuff. Um, a little bit more wholesale to, you know, aggregates and a few restaurants um, and a couple of buying clubs, which we kind of already were doing some of, but um, we're going to scale that up a little bit more to take the place of the, the farmer's market sales, uh, which is just, that's, it's just a time you know, just a time suck. So what's, uh, how far do you have to travel to get to your farmer's market or did you? Yeah. Three and a half hours. That's way too long, man. Yeah. How did you Uh, keep your stuff cool? Uh, we did, um, we did the cool bot. You got a cool uh, bot trailer too? Yeah. We, uh, we, we had, um, uh, a 16 foot trailer that we, we put a divider wall in. And the back is um, a refrigerator, and then in the front we have our freezers, our uh, um, you know our chest freezers for our meat. Um, so the uh, we can take meat and veggies into the city all at once. It's very elaborate. 
How did you secure down those freezers? Um, just, uh, I mean, so on the inside, there's like, uh, there's, um, rails that you can strap to. You can just put straps in and they just, they hold in place. I mean, when they're full, they're not really moving around at all. But when you're, when they're empty, (laughs) uh, when they're empty and you don't have them strapped in they're you'll go in, you'll come home. And they'll have bounced around and knocked over a whole bunch of crumb, you know, a bunch of junk and stuff. So, uh, strapping them in place, um, is definitely, definitely necessary when, when you're, you know, when they're empty, but for sure. So that's, well, that's still pretty cool that you guys built that trailer. Um, yeah, it sounds like you guys have spent a fortune on infrastructure though. Um, well, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, really, I mean, um, we have, we have, but none of it. Like, it's not going to go to waste. No, none. I, right now, I wouldn't say we've put anything in place that has been like, oh, I wished we hadn't spent money on that. Yeah. It's all, um, a lot of mobile infrastructure, which is, which has worked. Yeah, and even like the way you designed your cooler, that's that's pretty awesome. And it's like you know you, you don't a waste. I can see even if we're like, but yeah, like I mean, even if we cut out the garden altogether, um, a refrigerator, you know, our refrigerated trailer, we've we've transported, you know, um, like pig carcasses in, and it's still good to be able to keep, you know, keep that refrigerated. Um, so yeah, like I mean, we're, we're we we still. I mean, luckily, when we started this all, we still we knew about permaculture and we'd kind of looked into it, and we still were trying to obviously um, work with those principles, right? But when we didn't have an action plan, things kind of blew up. But we were still using those principles, um, trying to use those principles. So you know, things were. We did mobile infrastructure and we made sure things, you know, stacked functions and things like that. So even if we drop any one of these, these enterprises, our infrastructure and our equipment is still going to be able to be used on our other enterprises. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think, uh, I think, I think it, it, from the sound of it, it just sounds like scaling back. I don't think you'll ever really need to drop any of it. I think if it's still, I mean, the way I would do it is if this is miserable, I'm going to try to scale it back until it's not miserable. Yep. Or I'm going to drop it for a season just so, and then just get a, get some breather, breathing room. But it, I mean, I mean, I don't know. It sounds like because you guys have short seasons, um, growing seasons like right now you know you have 20 feet of snow outside (laughs) yeah so i mean imagine in the snow it's like it's just every year it's just like you get sick of being inside so you're like nope we're gonna really go after it hard this year yeah yeah and that that is that is um that is one of the problems where it's just like how can we maximize these six seven eight months of of you know production time 
and how do, how can we just get as much out of it as possible? Um, and I mean, this is a pretty irregular, usually by this time where, you know, we can see the ground, at least most of it or part of it. This is a pretty irregular winter where we've had, we had more, more snow by December, by Christmas time than we'd had in the previous like three winters combined. Um, we're we're quite a bit closer to just listening to you talk about your kind of your growing climate last year um we're we're pretty we're a lot closer to you than you know than like the arctic or something like that oh, for right sure, i yeah. mean um what what zone are you guys in what growing we're, zone we're 5 5 5b i think or 5a yeah Sure. Yeah, and we're in the fives. We're, we're we're technically we're three, but where where I'm at, we're like we're verging on zone four. And I would imagine actually, if I don't know when the last time they updated uh, zone six, the hardiness sorry. zone, uh, it's okay. five to six. I think in yeah. my so. There's this weird pocket, and I think it's where Nick Stacholte lives in Fraseyburg, where it's okay. where it's five B, but I'm in or five. Does it go five and five A or what? How's it? I don't know. Um, I keep I always mix that up. Uh, yeah. If it's five A and then five B, if five B is warmer than five A, yeah, it's the other way. Yeah. Well, all I know is Columbus is zone six, and there's a small yeah. pocket where it's where it's zone five. So. Okay, yeah, and we're 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 verging on zone four almost. Um, and I mean, usually, like you know, uh, got to you know, we've got to, I've got to know Grant Schultz quite a bit um, over the last year or so, and just looking at him, he's he's kind of zone four, zone five, and I just kind of. You know, when I see pictures of his place pop up or whatever, and compare what it looks like outside here, um, usually they're like warmer by like five degrees on a on an average basis. So you know, the the snow melts a little bit quicker, or um, but like the growing season isn't terribly much different. You know, a few plants are aren't as hardy. To zone three, zone four here is, I think he's zone four, zone five, um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, going back to the the idea that we have to kind of get out of it as much as possible, and um, but we have to kind of harness that in by saying, well, are we miserable doing it? Are we doing, you know, are we we doing trying to maximize rather than optimize. And really, if we optimized, would we actually get more out of it anyways? Um, yeah. All of those things have been kind of coming up over the last year or so. And we really kind of decided this winter that um, we really needed to really scale back things, not say that we were going to scale back things, but actually, actually do it. And, um, and almost on a on a on a daily, if not weekly basis, I go into my garden plan and just completely wipe out an entire crop 
I'm just like, why are we, you know, why are we doing spinach? Or why are we doing, I don't know, bok choy? It's just from from our six-acre crop, or, you know, our six acres to now, we've probably wiped out 25 crops that we just, no, that was pointless. And, and really, you know, going into this winter, like, okay, we're going to do, we're only going to do 15 crops. And I've, until I think yesterday, I wiped out another from the beginning of this winter till yesterday, I wiped out probably another five. And so we're down to about nine or 10 crops. And I still don't think I'm finished. Uh, you know, even though we're, even though we've got like half of our seed and things like that, I'm still, I mean, I'd rather make the mistake of spending, yeah, I'd rather make the mistake of spending 20 bucks on seed than, than waste a whole nother summer because we were trying to make, I don't know, what did I just wipe out? Uh, um, well, and this may be blasphemy on this podcast, but I wiped out uh, a three quarters of our lettuce. How dare you! <laughs> I know uh, you guys. No, but I mean, it. you got to do what works for you, man. I mean, yeah. like I have a good market for salad mix, so I'm doubling down. Like, yeah. if if you don't have a fucking market for it, then it's like it's tricky. I mean, well, and that. Sorry, go ahead. Fine, no, that's it. And I mean, that's the thing. We're um, we're. In Canada, well, not all of Canada, but particularly, say, in Manitoba, we're 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 fairly behind on the trend of local food and organic and all that or whatever, right? So there is the and the biggest problem for us is that there is a market. We see a market, like there's like, and we we say yes too much because the opportunity to say yes comes up all of the time because all of these farm to table restaurants are popping up and the grocery stores want to start, you know, having local stuff and there's more and more customers wanting local things. And I can count on, you know, pretty well, pretty well my hands and toes, the number of farms that are producing local food around, you know, in all of Manitoba. So the, you know, the market for lettuce is there, like in the farmer's market, that was one of our biggest sellers last year was salad mix. But when it's, you know, five times as much work as putting in carrots or, you know, transport lettuce which weighs nothing three and a half hours and it takes up so much volume in our, in our trailer it's still not you know even though it's our biggest seller it's you know it it, it contributes to that gross pro you know profit but our you know it, it probably subtract subtracts from our our net profit gotcha um yeah so, i think it's like so uh, that that's the thing it's I think, like you know, Curtis. I think only we, grows. We say yes to the market. Yeah, like he only grows green, sweet, crisp, uh, red, sweet, crisp, red and green butter because it 
basically it's just because he gets uh you know he can he can get so many cuts out of it like it's worth it yeah but even then i i think you, you just have to figure out what oh, works for you like, yeah and and i think that's the biggest thing yeah and so that's i mean we've been you know so we developed more of our holistic context um, over the winter and really started putting really started putting products to that that test. And um, you know, we we've 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 really tried to narrow down even within, you know, our pork and our beef and our chicken and um, and the and the garden what products, you know, um, fit towards that holistic context. Okay. So you're saying putting things into context. Yeah. Um, so we've really kind of, um, yeah, put, put each enterprise to, you know, our holistic context in, in terms of, yeah, we do want to offer a diversified, um, you know, product list, but, um, narrow that down to what's actually doable so focusing a lot on um you know on beef focusing a lot on ground ground products um because we can we can call out of our cow calf um herd cows that aren't you know performing um enough or aren't the right genetics they can all be turned into ground beef or you know, hamburgers or uh, smokies, sausages, whatever. Um, we for our for our pork, we kind of offer pork chops, sausages, bacon, and ham. I think, um, and and then, like I said, in the garden, like cutting it back down under 10, 10 crops, and a lot of those being like storage. Variety crops, carrots, um, potatoes, beets, um, winter squash, because they can, you know, they can be taken through winter and we don't have to necessarily market them on a weekly basis. So then we can cut, hopefully cut our trips to Winnipeg, which really is unfortunately pretty much one of our only markets. Um, it's really tough to get um uh, a hold of the you know our actual local market we're in a pretty um sparsely populated area where you know full of mostly conventional farmers so trying to get them onto the idea of grass-fed beef or you know um organic vegetables isn't the easiest so we're we're more or less forced to work with going to Winnipeg uh, so we're trying to, you know, we're working on making that, that model work, but, um, we're, we're really working towards being able to go like once a month. So if we're going to still do vegetables, that means more or less storage varieties and frozen meats. Um, so that's, uh, you know, that's, that's, you know, and, and because we're in a sparsely populated area, we don't have we don't we don't have a huge access to labor, so we can't do a lot of intensive things, right? Um, 
So it is mostly Ashley and I with, you know, a bit of part-time help here and there, but we really kind of need to make a go of this by ourselves. Yeah, well, that makes sense, man. Well, that's great, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing how uh, shit progresses in the year. And it, yeah. But, I mean, it sounds like out of six hard years, it's great to hear you guys are still going at it. You guys yeah. you guys are still making money the whole time, at least enough to, oh. to live off of what you're, what you're earning. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, I've been, I've been full time on the farm for five years that the first winter I had a uh, frame houses and, uh, and for the last, um, couple of winters, Ashley has done some part-time work in town, but, um, I mean, we we generate 90% of our income from the farm, 90 to 95%. So, I mean, and, and obviously when you run a diversified farm, I mean, our grocery bill is like less than 50 bucks a month. Um, so, I mean, we started this whole thing out wanting to, you know, grow things for ourselves and, and, um, you know, uh, as a lifestyle, right. So we, you know, we're, we're pretty close to accomplishing, you know, the, the whole homestead thing where, you know, we, we provide for ourselves first and the, and the, the market second, um, <coughs> So it's, you know, we don't have to generate a lot of income, but obviously we, you know, we, we have some needs that the farm does not provide. So, um, it's still been in the direction towards, you know, our holistic context that we've, we've always wanted. So, so it's, it's just a working progress. And I mean, um, Everybody, you know, listening to or seeing all these entrepreneurs online, it's, yeah, nothing was ever an, an overnight success, right? Like, um, you're like, oh, Gary Vaynerchuk came out, came out of nowhere. No, he worked his ass off for years and years and years. And then, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, then he'd put the work into being awesome, right? So, yeah, uh, we're putting the work in and, uh, and really figuring out what what's going to work and and what's going to take us forward. So, yeah, that's great, man. Well, buddy, looking forward to well, uh, seeing your progress throughout the year. I think now, yeah, now is probably a good time to wrap it up. Um, For sure, sure. Because I know uh, you got to sit at home and be inside in the snow, but uh, <laughs> I, I got to actually run and. Uh, I got a free air conditioner, so I'm going to replace that AC oh, unit in my, my trailer. So I got to go pick yep. that up and yep. r- get some cat food because I'm a terrible pet owner. <laughs> yeah. I'm scratching at the office door here. Yeah. Um, but hey, man, it's good to connect with you. Um, we've been friends from Facebook for a while, and I really yep. appreciated uh, your support and you you of the podcast and sharing episodes uh, when I was struggling during the season to to just make sense of things since i did absolutely zero planning or my planning was <laughs> yeah i'm gonna go out there and i'm gonna do great yeah true. that exactly. didn't really work out that blew up in my face <laughs> and uh yeah but anyways man uh it was great talking to you everybody sure. uh thanks for listening again and if you got and if 
people want to reach out to Curtis and pick your brain because they're like, oh, how do you how do you mix your pigs with your six acres and your and your cow and your chickens? And if people have questions for you, what's a good way for people to get a hold of you and follow your work, Curtis? Uh, we are pretty much Food Ethos Farm on almost everything. Um, if you Google Food Ethos Farm, uh, Facebook will pop up. Our website will pop up. Our email is foodethosfarm at gmail.com. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. Yeah, that's, yeah, Food Ethos Farm will pretty much find us. Okay, great. Well, guys, thanks again for tuning in.